And we are back again. It is Keeping It 200 live on Monday, January, uh, June 28th. I don't know why I was about to say January, but June 28th, 2021, getting ready to close into the 29th of June on Tuesday. We had a lot going on over the weekend. Of course, took a day off to recuperate. Basically, you could say now two days off now. Tavon also had the day off as well. We got a lot to get into. We had Paul George with a huge 41-point night in the playoffs. We had the Atlanta Hawks lose in uh, Game 3 to the Milwaukee Bucks. For the Bucks to go 2-1, and we had Chris Milton, and um, Chris Milton was the big guy in that game. Episode 35 of Keeping It 200. Finally good to be back, though. Finally just great to be back. Got a lot of news to get into. As long as with uh, WWE Monday Night Raw, I don't know why I'm all nervous and shit. Huh. But anyways, so uh, waiting for Tavon to go ahead and uh, get in here real quick. Um, however, um, however, we can get into some other news here, uh, outside of sports related or anything like that. Um, well, actually we can get into some sports real quick. Uh, the Tampa Bay lightning beat the Montreal Canadiens five, one in game one of the Stanley cup finals now commencing, uh, going on right now. Lightning win five, one over the Canadians, I do have the Canadians winning this series in six. Um, however, Tampa Bay Lightning, you got to give credit to them. They had, honestly, the shortest offseason after they just won the Stanley Cup last year, and they haven't really even missed a beat, really, in this postseason. So just definitely give Tampa Bay their credit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm still not a fan of them because they, they eliminated my Carolina Hurricanes, but um, definitely. Euro Cup action going on right now in the round of 16 over the weekend. We had Wales lose 4-0 to Denmark. We had Italy win 2-1 over Austria. We had a, a Swiss Republic winning 2-0 over the Netherlands. Belgium gets a 1-0 victory over Portugal. Spain winning 5-3 over Croatia. And and those are the two games that happened today, um, Spain-Croatia. And then Switzerland eliminated France with the um, final. Uh, it was a 3-3. So, so yeah, um, it was in a, a penalty draw So um, in overtime. So, yeah, I, I will say that I, I did like the, the memes and everything about, you know, them being eliminated. And then, for some reason, everyone got upset that James Harden got compared to France, even though France actually should have won this game. Um, and then we also had, um, and tomorrow, England, Germany, and Sweden, Ukraine. And the quarterfinals are basically now pretty much it. So, 
Um, anyway, so now getting into some other stuff here. Uh, on Keeping It 200, we had a former co-guest now, as he's no longer going to be with us, uh, Blackheart, um, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I've, I've honestly never known his real name, and he never wanted to go by his real name, so... Um, and that's fine. That's his business. However, on keeping it 200, um, he will not be no more part of this show. Um, I've had talks with someone that I love very dearly and I was told I didn't need him and I don't need him. And, you know, I want to make a, a statement here. No one is above me on this show. This is my show. And he had his own show. He still has his own show. I'm not going to give out no more promotions for his show and everything like that. If he, if he's getting upset, if he wants to be known as the Stephen A. Smith of wrestling, go ahead. Be that all you want. But you're not going to come into my show, and you're not going to take over the show that I'm building. I've made this show great, and I'm going to keep making it better, and that's the goal. I understand that he might be upset, and I understand there are people that may be upset about that, but it's not worth it. Neither is the drama, and, you know, when you want to come in here and, you know, threaten and say disparaging remarks, you know, you know, I've, there's been times on the show where I've even had to correct him about some things, and I'm I'm just done with it. Um, but, yeah, that's my two cents on that. I will not be mentioning this guy hardly anymore. Um, if Tavon comes in, I'll ask him how his thoughts are on this. But other than that, I'm pretty much done with all of it. Um, I do, you know, I mean, good luck to him and his show. That's all. Anyways, we had um, two NBA games that we've got to get ready to cover now. Um, Sunday, we had the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, defeat the Atlanta Hawks, 113-102, and that game, um, was played Sunday night. Chris Middleton, the guy that came through in the fourth quarter with 20 points, Middleton 15-26, 6-12 from 3, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, Giannis 13-21 of 21 on, uh, 33 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Great victory for the Milwaukee Bucks. They won 113-102. Shot, shot a little over 50% from the field. Uh, Atlanta was the better shooting team, though, throughout this game. Trey Young did injure his ankle in the third quarter, came back, played the fourth quarter, but only had three points after he um, had hurt the ankle, and he is questionable for game four. Trey Young, 35 points on 12 of 23, 6 of 14 from 3. Um, John, uh, John Collins, 6 of 8, 13 points, uh, 8 rebounds. Clint Capella, 8 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, Kevin Herter, 4 of 11, 3 of 7 from 3, 11 points on the night. Danilo Garanari, 18 points on 7 of 14. And this game was really the – this game really did not get decided till the fourth quarter. The first three quarters – Atlanta was still up 85 to 83. Atlanta had a very good first quarter. They came out the gate. They were up 32 to 27. Were up by as much as um, in that first quarter. Um, what were they? Yeah, they were up by 15 in the first quarter. 
And Atlanta just – they didn't have – you know, when Trey Young got injured, that's where I think the team just really went off the rails. Chris Middleton, though, I mean, they – Atlanta didn't stop Middleton in this in this game. The only scores that they had in the fourth quarter were Middleton with 20, Giannis with five, and, of course, Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton only had two each and Drew Holiday with the one. But – a bad, I mean, a bad game though for for Atlanta in the fourth quarter. Atlanta just the fourth quarter. That's where it was lost. Uh, Milwaukee shot close to sixty seven percent from the field in the fourth quarter. Four of six from three in the fourth quarter. Atlanta, however, one of eight in the third quarter, shooting from three. Seven of eighteen overall. That's less than thirty nine percent. Um, the big takeaway now is who do who would I have winning game four? It's tough because Milwaukee really shouldn't have won this game. But if Trey Young's ankle is not 100%, that's going to be playing into the factor. Um, However, here's what I do have to say, though. I'm going to say that Milwaukee does win, but I say Atlanta still covers that 6.5-plus point spread. Um, of course, point spreads for tomorrow night's one game on tap on Tuesday. The Bucks are favored by seven to win. The Hawks are the point spread underdogs at plus six and a half at home, meaning they only have to lose by six or just win the game outright. And I do say the Bucks are going to win this game, but I say Atlanta still covers it. Over under on the 219. I'm actually going to say over in points. Um, I think Milwaukee can cover. I think Milwaukee and Atlanta both can cover 219. So no question right there. Um, and then, of course, tonight we had the one game on tap for Monday. It was the uh, L.A. Clippers getting the victory, a game that I didn't think the Clippers were going to win this game. But the Clippers did 116-102. Paul George really did have his best playoff game ever, in my opinion. His best playoff game ever. Um Paul George had uh, Paul George 15 of 20, 41 points, uh, 13 rebounds, six assists. Really, Paul George has really been playing really good basketball. He really has been playing great basketball, and I don't think that that gets enough credit right now. You know, I mean, ever since Kawhi has been out, Paul George has really stepped up. He's played the best game that he has had. I mean, 30 points. On 80% field goal percentage in just the second half. Only two players have done that in the last 25 seasons in the postseason. And one other did that in the um, facing elimination. Of course, it was Anthony Davis in 2020 versus Portland. And Dwayne Wade, who was facing the elimination game in Boston in 2010. And for Paul George to go out there, I mean, Paul George is really having his best he really is having his best playoffs. He's back to the PG of Indiana. Career high 41. Uh, shoot, I mean, just shooting the ball great. That's, I mean, that's what PG has really just been doing good at. Marcus Moore Sr. came through as well. 9 of 16, 2 of 5 from 3, 22 points. Um, great stuff right there from Marcus Moore Sr., who has really been struggling throughout this playoffs. Terrence Mann started at center tonight. He was 2 of 8, 4 points. Uh, Patrick um, Beverly, uh, three of six, seven points, um, five rebounds, an assist, a steal. 
And then, of course, Reggie Jackson, a guy that's going to get paid this offseason, 8 of 14, 4 of 7 from 3, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a block. And, I mean, I look at this Clippers team, and for some reason, you know, I, I wrote them off. I did write them off last time we did a show, episode 34 of Keeping It 200. And I wrote them off. I just said, you know what, the Clippers season's over. I said, you know, Phoenix is going to win this game, and Phoenix – should have won this game tonight. This was in their home crowd. This There was no reason they couldn't have won this game. Um, Clippers, though, shot 55% from the field, 54.8% if you want to be um, on the mark. 46 of 84 from the field. Clippers' first time all playoffs against the Suns <clears throat> won the points in the paint, 58-32. to 32. I mean, Jake, I mean, look at this here. DeAndre Ayton was held a 5-9, 10 points, 11 rebounds on the night. Chris Paul, 8 of 19, 22 points. Devin Booker, 9 of 22, 31 points. Um, and Cameron Payne, 5 points, 2 of 6. Cameron Johnson, 14 off the bench on the 5 of 6. Mikhail Bridges, 2 of 5, 5 points. Jay Crowder, 2 of 6, 4 points. And the Suns were held to under 40 um Right around 45% shooting, 9 of 26 from 3. Uh, don't get me wrong, the Clippers didn't shoot the ball better neither. They were 10 of 30, but the Clippers led by 16 at one point. There was only two lead changes. And the Clippers, you know, in this game here, you know, outside of Paul George having the great game, stopping Phoenix in the points in the paint was the really big difference because all series, the Phoenix Suns have struggled in points in the paint. And that's literally been their big issue right there. Um, but give credit to the Clippers. Marcus Moore Sr. had a great game. Paul George had a playoff career high, his best playoff game ever. There really wasn't much you couldn't say about this game. You know, there are going to be people that are going to, you know, still roast Paul George. But Paul George really did have the best game he really could tonight. He really played the best game. And, hey, give credit to Paul George. Great game. Can't go wrong. Reggie Jackson. He is going to get paid in the offseason. Mike Breed on commentary for ESPN even said that Reggie Jackson is going to get paid in the offseason. Um, how about this year, though? Best win percentage facing elimination for head coaches all time. Tyron Lue, 10 and 2. Second, Steve Kerr, 6 and 2. And Bill Russell, 8 and 3. So Tyron Lue, when he's facing elimination with the back against the wall for some reason, plays better. I don't understand it. The Clippers have been down 0-2. The Clippers have – they were down 0-2 to Dallas, nearly went down 0-3. They were down 0-2 to Utah. They don't have Kawhi, and they're still playing the best basketball they can. Give credit to Tyron Lue. I mean, I don't believe – I don't like his coaching philosophy, though, still in a lot of ways, because I do feel that it, there is a lot of issues. There is still a lot of issues that need to be fixed, like letting star players like Luka and Donovan Mitchell just have their best, just have great series against their players. You know, they don't have a center. They they truly don't um, because they play better when Zubox is not on that court. However, you know, Batum and Mann are not going to be the guys that are going to be centers you can rely on. And it's just tough right now. So, yeah. How about this here, though? For the UFC, um, we've got an inner room heavyweight championship title fight set for UFC 265. 
Francis Nagano is going to be unavailable to fight in the UFC's desired time frame. So the promotion is moving forward with Derek Lewis versus Zero Gone. An inner room heavyweight title fight that will headline the 265 show on August 7th. Um, ESPN's Brett Mokoto was the first reported that the news that Nagato was un- unable to defend his title in June or August due to traveling. And Dana White thought both Lewis and Gon were worthy of title shots. Okamoto got a quote from Nagano's agent that said they were in complete shock about the news considering the history of the division. Nagato tweeted, I remember my interim title fight against Yarzinho away, a nod to his desire to have his May 2020 fight against Yarzinho Rosenstrike for the interim title due to then-champion Stipe Miocic not wanting to fight due to COVID-19. The last in the room heavyweight title was awarded to Fabricio Wardoom when he defeated um, Mark Hunt at UFC 180 in November 2014. Lewis is riding a four-fight win streak and last knocked out Curtis Blades in February. Gone defeated Alexander Volkov on Saturday's UFC show um, via unanimous decision to get a perfect 9-0 record. And this event will be held in Houston, Texas, home of the hometown of Derek Lewis. The co-main event features two-time champion Amanda Nunes defending the Bantamweight Championship against Julio Pena. Um, um, and yeah, so yeah, I mean, th- there is a lot that does go into this here because there are UFC fans that believe that Nagano is being punished for saying comments um, when the Jake Paul made $20 million for a boxing fight with Floyd Money Mayweather. Um, well, and, you know, and Francis Nagato was saying, well, what do we have to do to make $20 million? And this is going to be a weird thing because there's going to be people that are going to say that Nagato is being, you know, punished for speaking out about the UFC not paying fighters very well. And then there's going to be people that are going to say that Derek Lewis does deserve the fight. Now, Derek Lewis is the favorite, um, you know, to me to not only win this title fight, because I, I mean, no offense to Zero Gone. I, I know Zero Gone is 9-0, and and he just beat at Volkov via unanimous decision. But I think it's too early to give Zero Gone a, 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 a fight for the title, even for an interim title. Um even the number one contendership to me is still like really like not there. I, I Derek Lewis and Nagato is the main event, and it is the fight that does need to be made. Of course, if John Jones would, you know, stop being a pussy and actually decide if he wants to fight or not, then yeah, then we would definitely see that. Um, but John Jones, you know, is. Like Francis Nagato, except John Jones is holding out. John Jones is saying, "Look here, I, I want to get paid top money, you know." And Dana White's not willing to budge, and Dana White doesn't have to budge to give John Jones money. Then right now, the contract that they have with ESPN and the way they're making UFC money right now off the pay per views, they're doing successful at, and they have no, and they don't have to. You know, if, if this was the older UFC motto where they were on Fox Sports and stuff, then maybe they would be more inclined to give John Jones the title fight. However, there's no reason to give John Jones a title fight. There honestly isn't. And 
yeah. I mean, people are going to be upset by that all they want. But, I mean, Derek Lewis, zero gone for the main event of a 265 show. It, 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 I mean, this is, I mean, I honestly would have done Amanda Nunez for the main event and just had Lewis and gone be the co-main because Amanda Nunez is the bigger star. However, I understand it's in Lewis's hometown. And Derek Lewis, to me, will probably be the UFC interim champion. If Zero Gone wins, then Zero Gone definitely, definitely, this will be something huge for Zero Gone. Um, but this will be the fight that I believe Zero Gone is either going to be made the big star or a loss could just set him back for a while. Um, how about this here? For some WWE news, uh, final WWE Thunderdome tape set will be July 12th, Raw to be taped. Um, with the touring just a week's away, the end of the WWE Thunderdome experience now has its official date. This was first reported by WrestleVotes, confirmed by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. The final live WWE show from the Thunderdome um, at Tampa, Florida, inside the University um, South Florida um, Arena um, will be Friday, July 9th on SmackDown. However, they will tape the following Mondays, Raw, on July 12th during that final week in Tampa. That following Friday, SmackDown will emanate from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, and will be the first non-WrestleMania show with live fans since before the pandemic. That kicks off WWE resuming tour for Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, and some house shows um, going to be underway. Um, yeah, I mean, here's my thoughts on the Thunderdome. Um, will it be missed to me? No, because I would rather see fans at a very low capacity than to see this Thunderdome. Because the Thunderdome, to me, has had its ups and downs. Um, the ups being that... That to, to me, there's not a lot of ups with this. To me, it just they, – they, they, they found something that worked for them, and it drew good ratings at first. And then, of course, the ratings did not matter. The only thing that has drawn ratings um, has been Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Whether people want to admit that or not, whether people you know want to just be studying and analyzing every – Wrestling stat and overall viewers, 1849, 1834, etc., etc. But to me, there's not really been a lot of ups. The only ups has been is that wrestlers, I believe, you know, have been able to cut promos and not have to worry about just hearing, you know, just dumb chants of like the CM Punk chants when Seth Rollins is out there or, you know, not or, you know, being able to have a reaction when you cut a promo, you know, and, and that's a good thing. You know, wrestlers do deserve that respect. They are getting that TV time, and they don't deserve to, you know, just, you know, be, you know, be told boring or anything like that. And and that has been some good things right there for the wrestlers. Here's the bad problems: um, they they get away with so much voodoo shit now. Um, they keep wanting to try and do all these weird things. I mean, just look at everything with Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt the last year and a half. Just in the Thunderdome, you know, if this was with live fans, it would have never worked. But because it's in a Thunderdome, it works better, you know, um, other negative takeaways, you know, I don't feel that, you know, 
the fans that they have there, they don't even make a lot of noise. So most wrestlers when they're out there make more noise than the actual virtual crowd. And that's definitely just been the issue right there. So that's definitely been a big issue right there as to why. And other reasons as well. I mean, I mean, I, I will not miss the Thunderdome though. I mean, if I had to rate this on a, a grade from a grade letter, um, I would give the Thunderdome just a solid C. Um, it, it wasn't nothing memorable to me as far. I mean, I mean, you can like all the cameras and shit like that, but to me, I didn't think it that meant anything. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just a solid C. It 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 didn't serve a great purpose, but to other people, they might have liked it, but to me, um, no. Uh, probably won't be having Tavon on now. Um, I guess he went to bed or whatever. Um, how, about, how about this here, though? AEW women's title match announced for Fighter Fest Night 2. It will be Britt Baker taking on Nyla Rose. Um, that match will be taking place July 21st in Garland, Texas. Um Rose, so yeah, so it will definitely be that. Um, AEW will be back on the road, though, July 7th in Miami, Florida. And then the first night of Fighter Fest will take place July 14th in Caesar Park in Texas. And yeah, um, Britt Baker, now the Rose should actually be a really good match. Actually should be for the AEW Women's Championship. Um, so yeah, should I mean, I wouldn't even be mad if it was the main event. It should, it should be a really good match. Uh, Tyler Breeze commented on his WWE release and his wrestling future during a Twitch live stream that took place earlier today. Um, well, about two days ago. Sorry. <laughs> Breeze said that he appreciated he had stayed with WWE for 11 years, as most people don't last that long. Um, quote, I was with the company for 11 years. An 11-year run in the biggest wrestling company in the world is unheard of. It's a huge thing. Most people are there three, for three, four years. The fact that I was there for 11, fantastic. More than I can ask for. Um, incredible as well. I, I actually never knew that, that he was there for 11 years. He also said that he had not expected to be fired, but assumed it could happen, adapting the mentality of pre- preparing to be fired since the day he got hired. As it relates to his future, he said that he will set up a cameo, and he has some ideas for a Patreon, and he would continue streaming on Twitch, which is very good. And, you know, I mean, for a lot of wrestlers, they're going to be able to make now a lot more money than what they will probably – some wrestlers will probably be able to make double the money or just about the same money that they would have if they were in WWE because they're going to be able to do things like the – the Twitch, the cameos, the Patreons, and, and that's very good. And You definitely want to see wrestlers succeed in other ventures outside of wrestling. You definitely want them to at least be making good money and still be able to do something that they love. Um, of course, um, Tyler Breeze was then asked, will he continue his wrestling career? He did say that he did not know, but said that we'll have to see. Um, quote, I haven't decided yet. And Breeze did confirm that he has a 90-day non-compete contract. So, hey, you know, I mean, Tyler Breeze, he might want to um, go to AEW or he might want to go to Impact or he might just want to be a guy that just is on some shows, you know, and 
you know, I mean, hey, I mean, not everyone has to sign a contract to be somewhere. I mean, I mean, not everyone has to sign an exclusive contract to just be with the next company, you know. And hey, get, I, I wish Tyler Breeze all the best, you know. I mean, he is going to be looked at by AEW, no question, and he's going to definitely be looked at by Impact, by no question. And don't forget Ring of Honor, and don't forget NWA. They are they need talent too, and. It's just going to be who opens up their checkbook and who who's willing to pay Tyler Breeze good money and if he wants to accept it. Um, Vince McMahon visited <coughs> man. Let me get me let me get myself a drink of water, people. Sorry. All right, back. Sorry for the coughing, people. <laughs> um, Vince McMahon reportedly visited the WWE Performance Center this week. To scout talent, Fightful Select reported that Vince McMahon did visit the Performance Center, with Thursday being the likely date um, that he will probably be back. Um, I, and I, actually, actually, I ain't gonna be able to finish my quote. Tavon's down here. Tavon, uh, what's good? What's going on, man? Uh, how'd you do your day off? Well, things are good. I thought that you actually went to bed. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, I kind of, I kind of accidentally slept. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no! You're you're fine, man. You're fine. Um, I I've just been, you know, just going through some stuff here. Um, definitely want to let you know though that we're not going to be having no more Blackheart on the show. Mm. Um, going forward, um, of course, you know. I, I did go into it a little bit, and I'll go into it with you because because I know there is some comments that you want to say and stuff. Um, Blackheart was uh, the reason that he has been let go and banned from keeping it two hundred is because of of how he acted Friday night, um, and then of course just how he you know he acted Saturday. You know, um, I, I'm not really talked about this here, and I didn't want to you know tweet you about this in the DMs, but I just felt that. Honestly, though, it was just it was just time to just let go of him. You know, I understand that he's getting ready to do his podcast next month, and I figured the best time to just let him go is now. Um, I, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I mean, I will say this here though: he is very talented at what he knows about wrestling. But the things that I want on this show, and the way that he did try to feel like that he was the show in this. I, I was not a fan of because, like, I, I like for example, I, I know that you've seen ESPN's first take with Stephen A. Smith, and Blackheart, you know, is basically like Stephen A. Smith, you know, with the yelling and everything. The purpose of this show is to be different from that. You know, I understand that people like that, but I'm not a fan of that, I, and I'm not a fan of the yelling. And I, I talked this over the whole weekend, you know. Um, but but what is your thoughts on Blackheart and and do you think that he will be missed on the show? Or do you think eh, it's just time to move forward? Hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, Blackheart to me was pretty chill. Uh, okay, uh, so that he won't be with us for. Pretty much a while, but I'll definitely miss him. Yeah. Good talent. 
you know, um, good luck to whatever he um, is going to be doing. Um, but more than likely, though, he will not be back on this show. And this will be the last time that we definitely be able to talk about him for the most part, basically, you know, because there's no there's no true uh, I, I have no true ill will towards him. But at the same time, though, me talking about him or me promoting his show doesn't make any sense. When when my show is promotion is needs to be focused on myself and. And this show, um, and to my fan base. So, um, but good luck to him and his fan base. Um, how about this here though, Tavon? Um, moving on now. We uh, Vince McMahon um, was um, has reportedly been visiting the WWE Performance Center this week to scout talent. Uh, it was reported by Fightful Select um, that Vince McMahon will be likely there again Thursday as well. Um, and. It was reported that it was part of a major scouting effort to replenish the main roster. Other executives there have been Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis that will probably be coming as well on Thursday. Um, and also the top scout, top um, talent that has been scouted has been Karrion Cross, Bronson Reed, Shotzi Blackheart, uh, Dakota Kai, um, oh. and... Uh, Scarlet as well, so it, it, there's a lot of people that that WWE really wants right now, and I, I do have to ask you this here um, right now: if if this is true that Vince would like these would would like Karrion Cross and all these guys to be with them on the main roster, let's say by SummerSlam, um, do you feel like NXT is going to suffer, or do you feel like NXT We'll be able to be fine if they because because I do feel like they you know this is now the time where they can now make Pete Dunne a champion if they really did want to or you know Santos Escobar can now have the North American Championship and you, you know Shotzi and Ember have already won the tag team titles but 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 what is your thoughts on this? Honestly, I kind of um, agree. I mean. Um, yeah, some of these guys, I mean, at first I thought it's like, yeah, they're not necessarily ready, but at this point, I mean, the main roster, I mean, they pretty much need something. They pretty much need new women. They pretty much need more men, too, so, yeah. And the big question is, too, we don't know um, whether Finn Balor will be back on the main roster or not. Remember, Finn Balor has been wrote off NXT television because he lost to Karrion Cross, But then again, there might be this thing where Finn Balor doesn't want to go back to the main roster. Um, you know, and, and, and there are some other people that, that could be getting called up as well that probably are not on this list right now. You know, for example, Johnny Gargano. Um, to me, like, the guys like Gargano, Champa are not on this list, but I'm thinking of guys like Santos Escobar and Legato Del Fantasma. They could get called up. Bobby Fish could get called up. Some people that I would not think or we would not think right off the top of our heads because because WWE, you know, they are going back on the road. They, they definitely need to start having some matches because, um, you know, they're August 7th and August 6th and 7th house shows. He's going to have Drew McIntyre and Kofi Kingston take on Bobby Lashley and MVP for a main event and house show, which, you know, even on TV sounds very, very weak. And on the SmackDown side, they have nothing promoted for the main event because 
Roman Reigns has beat everybody. Edge is not going to do any house shows, um, which would then make it Seth versus Roman if they wanted to do that. Or they might just make it where Jimmy Uso and Jey Uso just take on the Mysterios and nothing but a bunch of house shows matches for the tag team titles. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and that could happen. It could. Um, but it's just a wait and see kind of thing. Um, SmackDown viewership, though, um, last two weeks um, hasn't been good numbers. However, they still have the same 18 to 49 numbers. Mm-hmm. SmackDown uh, two weeks ago with the Hell in a Cell match on TV was 2 million viewers and um, 400,000. And this week, they went down to 1,971,000 viewers. Um, year over year, SmackDown's now down now 9.3% overall. 18 to 49, though, they are up 8% in the same year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, to me, I mean, the SmackDown show, I understand why it was down. But the Hell in a Cell one should have been their best one. The Hell in a Cell one should have did 2.5 mil. Um, if we're really being honest, um, and them doing a very low numbers, definitely not, not a good thing in all honesty. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but at the same time though, I mean, that shows that, you know, edge has not been a draw as far as ratings go, you know, because edge has not really been a draw for, for ratings for some reason since he's been back, even before then he's not just been, he's not been very good at that for some reason. Um, and that kind of actually is very weird. Um, what about True Tape? I mean, you think of Edge. Do you think there's a reason why he why he's not been a ratings draw um, since you know being back um, over a year and everything? Well, actually, now close to two years. Hmm. Honestly, I think it's because of the fact we're yeah, like I said before, I mean, when it came to um, Edge winning the War Wumble this year, I'm pretty sure most people were pretty much excited that it was going to be Roman versus Edge, but it wasn't Roman versus Edge at WrestleMania. It's Roman versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan. So basically, Roman had already faced Edge for the first time, but just not in a singles match, it was a triple threat match, and now with pretty much Edge facing Roman at Money in the Bank, I mean, it's good that we are finally seeing Roman versus Edge at Money in the Bank, but I'm pretty sure most would already tell you that, that, yeah, we should have probably had this singles match at WrestleMania. We definitely should have, or at least protected Edge better at WrestleMania. No offense. I mean, because Edge was pinned. I mean, it's not like Daniel Bryan was pinned and Edge was protected. They literally pinned. They literally had Roman pin both Edge and Daniel Bryan, and that finish was planned out the the night before WrestleMania um, night two, and on the same night as WrestleMania night one. Um, how about this year though? AEW because of curfew at the San Diego State Airport. Um, Conan had to fly on Saturday to Orlando, drive to Jacksonville, which was two hours and 
got there in 45 minutes before his segment started. He didn't even know his segment until arriving, so it was all put together not on the fly, but with almost no lead time. So Conan really went out there and just, I mean, I mean, Conan really just went out there and just had a great promo with, honestly, yeah. with almost missing the show. Almost. Um, I mean, give credit to Conan right there. That's actually pretty mm-hmm. incredible. That is actually really incredible. Um, Chris Jericho will be on AEW Dynamite for commentary this coming Wednesday. Um, for the June 30th show, the um, Wednesday show is MJF Sammy Guevara, which should be the main event. Eddie Kingston and Penta take on the Young Bucks. If Kingston and Penta win, they get a future AEW um, World Tag Team title shot. Miro versus Brian Pillman Jr. for the TNT title. And Britt Baker and Rebel face Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. Um, of course, um, it will be um, Nyla Rose and Britt Baker June 21st on AEW Dynamite um, on the night two of fighter fest on tnt um in texas so um how about this here though samoa joe um was on the out of character with ryan satin podcast on this week's fox sports joe was released um by wwe um due to the uh, the large roster cuts and of course ryan satin talked about it and um samoa joe said these comments it was weird uh, Johnny called me and thought it was a, and I thought it was a red car from Johnny. I said, "Hey, what's up, Johnny? How you doing?" He told me, "Hey, listen, we're going to have to release you from your contract." I was just like, "Okay, cool." Um, John Laurinaitis responded back, "Joe, you know we thank the world of you, and we love to work with you again." And Joe was like, "I was like, all right, absolutely, Johnny." And on and honestly, Samoa Joe said I didn't have a bit of under I did have a bit of understanding obviously at the time dealing with injuries coming back getting ready to get my rehabilitation going all that stuff we're in a pandemic all this other stuff so I got it it was unexpected but at the same time I was relatively calm about it I've I've kind of been in the situation before a younger me would have probably really really freaked out but I mean at this point you just roll and pilot um, there's really all, uh, that's really all there is to it when it comes to life in general. That's kind of the mantra I've kept. At this point, I think I was already kind of in the works and setting up the next framework for whatever else I was going to do. A few hours later, I got a call from Hunter, and it pretty much all changed. I had sent some company farewell texts just to people to say, hey, look, pleasure working with you. Some genuine people that I really, really enjoy working with. Just some general like, hey, thanks. I'm sure we'll talk down the road at some point or something like that. I've got a text back. Hey, give me a minute. I'm getting out of a meeting. We had a brief conversation, which was essentially like, give us a little bit of time. I worked out a package, and we'll be talking soon. I said, all right, that's totally fine. I have no problem with that. And it led to my return back to NXT. Um, Samojo was then asked by Ryan Satin, is he going to be returning to the ring? Samojo said he's absolutely working 100% on that. He said, he said, we'll just leave it at that. Joe named Karrion Cross, Pete Dunn, Walter, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kylo Riley, and Bronson Reed as opponents. He would love to face in NXT right now. Um, Tavon, what is your thoughts on the Samojo situation? I absolutely, um, Believe Joe, yeah, it was pretty much weird that 
they did release them. They pretty much shouldn't never have. And um, yeah, I mean, at this point, um, yeah, we're just um, enjoying what Joe has been doing so far on TV as um, an, an enforcer in NXT. And in months, um, he'll pretty much come back to Wessel soon. I agree. Uh, and I hope Samojo does make a healthy and speedy recovery back. Trent Beretta will be missing over a year of action. His surgery was for spinal stenosis on his neck, which means that his um, neck was fused. Trent, in the last four years, has dealt with bicep injury, a torn rotator cup, a torn tricep, a torn pec, and now with neck fusion surgery. Trent, 34 years old, he's been in wrestling for 14 years. Um, man, this is like really rough because Trent, uh, more than likely when he returns, will be more than likely 36. Um, realistically, because, I mean, it's a year to recover and it's going to take at least a couple of months to get back in the ring. So let's just say a year, six months of training. Um, Tavon, I've got to ask you, um, what is your thoughts on the Trent injury list? And do you think right now, you know, if, if, if you are AEW and stuff, what are you going to do with Chuck Taylor? Because right now, Orange Cassidy is kind of the guy that they push as a single star and everything. And Chris Statlander has been a good role for Orange Cassidy. But Chuck Taylor is the one that's kind of like now in the... It's kind of in the dilemma, if you want to say. Um, what is your thoughts about Trent now being out for now over a year with this neck injury? It's absolutely brutal. I mean, it sucks for um, Trent and Chuck Taylor. Mm. Not going to lie, it's, it's pretty confusing as how he's going to fare. I mean... I mean, sure, you can still have them with Orange Cassidy and Chris Statliner, but hmm, I don't know. I can't necessarily see a singles one just yet, so it's like, yeah, it's like Chuck Taylor's, he, he's literally in the middle for me. He definitely is, and I, I, I don't know what they do with Chuck Taylor. I mean, I would suggest turning him heel. But if you turn him heel, you got to have a reason to do it. And, you know, I, maybe they should have did that heel run with Miro. Maybe they should have. Um, I don't honestly know for certain if they should have, but but maybe they should have. I mean, if all in all honesty, I mean, looking back at it now, maybe he should have turned heel, maybe. Um, but then again, you don't know. You didn't know how bad Trent was going to be injured and you didn't think that he would have to have spinal stenosis. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm AW, I, I would consider maybe turning him heel. Maybe. I mean, now, I mean, this is probably the best time to give him his own spotlight. And then, and then of course, when Trent returns healthy, then you can go back to being the best friends and everything. Because right now, Orange Cassidy does not need Chuck Taylor. He's got Chris Statlander and um, yeah, I mean, Chuck Taylor is going to need something though. 
Or, or maybe they'll just keep them off TV and just have them work the dark shows. You, you don't know. Um, for people that are looking to buy AEW tickets to Boston, AEW Dynamite um, has moved their date um, to October 27th in Boston. It was originally um, supposed to be September 8th, but it has been moved um, back to now October 27th. Um, just letting people inform on that right there. Um, ben Simmons is skipping the Tokyo Olympics to focus on developing his skills. With, um, ben Simmons was going to be a part of the Australian um, Olympic basketball team, but Ben Simmons is going to be working on um, his shooting and everything, everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, the Ben Simmons issue is going to be, is he going to be a better shooter? You know, because now he's got the off season to do it, and it's a wait and see kind of thing. Um, I'm not going to really talk much more about that because we've we've discussed so much about it with uh, Trey being on and others, and I've discussed it, and Tavon, you've discussed it. So we're just we're just literally just just starting the headline. The new Boston Celtics coach Ima Yudoku said Monday that he's excited to get the chance to work with. Um, the team's young stars of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and to push them as hard as he can so they can get better that they are. They're going to allow me to coach them, said um, uh, Ima, who was um, introduced alongside Brad Stevens, the new Celtics president of basketball operations. Um, Ima said the bottom line is we want to win and help us get the um, number 18 championship. Um, he said they said good initial conversations with Tatum, along with Brown and along with Marcus Smart. So for Celtics fans, it looks like that, you know, Marcus Smart will probably be staying a Boston Celtic. Um, I don't know how much more longer, though. I, I do feel like Boston does need to get rid of Marcus Smart because I feel like they, they're, they're going to need to get better, and I don't believe Smart is the answer for the guard that they need. They, they are going to need to – if there is a trade package for Marcus Smart available – I would definitely say go out there and definitely, definitely try to um, get something. I would definitely say that if if they can find that, if they can. But if they can't, I understand that completely. Um, what about you? What about you? Do you think that Boston right now is going to be able to um, keep? Do you think, or do you think that Boston is going to make some more changes and maybe Marcus Smart will be a part of the trade package um, in some deals, Tavon? I think the second option. I think Boston can make more deals to make um, Marcus or um, a trade package. Uh, I definitely agree. Um, and the Celtics have even, and the Celtics have still not been out of the NBA draft conversation yet. Um, according to reports, the Boston Celtics have been talking to a lot of players in the NBA draft for these two reasons. One, they still believe they can move back into the draft, which is very true. And two, they also it's going to be the last time they talk to a lot of these players for four to five years or maybe longer um, because of the contracts and everything that happens in the NBA. So, so definitely some. So definitely, I, I I'm still not. A hundred percent sure that Marcus Smart is going to be on the Celtics because because if you could trade Marcus Smart and maybe a first round pick next year to get back into this draft and get somebody that you want, I can't see an NBA GM saying no to that. How about this year though? Uh, Portland Trail Blazers named Chauncey Billups their new head coach. He was um, officially brought in today. Deal is going to be 
five-year deal for Billups. The 44-year-old will be introduced Tuesday at a news conference in Portland. Um, a lot of people, though, I mean, Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd, I've not heard one person say to me yet, and this has pretty much just been all over social media. This has pretty much been me talking to people that I know that watch the NBA and everything like that. There are people that don't like either of these coaches and don't believe neither team is going to improve. And uh, a lot of people don't like the Jason Kidd situation because of former past charges of abuse allegations that Mark Cuban has ignored. Of course, if people don't know, Jason Kidd was arrested for um, abuse um, with a former wife, a former ex-wife in the 2002, I believe, Chauncey Billups, um, to Portland people, you know, um, he, he, the, um, and it was made uh, before a formal offer on Friday. The Blazers continued an investigation of Chauncey Billups' 1997 rape allegations against Billups. No charges have been brought, but Billups settled a civil lawsuit filed by the woman. So that is why a lot of people don't want either of these guys as a coach and feel both Mark Cuban and field GM Neil Olsey and believe that the Portland Trail Blazers, you know, and the Dallas Mavericks both are just not investigating their coaches. Tavon, I, I've got to ask you this here first before we, you know, get into what these coaches could bring to the table. If you are these guys and you're seeing that there's a lot of backlash because it's not like we can't relate in these situations, neither with wrestling, um, Case in point, the Patrick Clark Velveteen Dream issue, um, Austin Theory, um, uh, Jordan Devlin, etc. We could go on about the Me Too movement in wrestling. We could go on about a lot of people in wrestling. We could even go on about a lot of everything. If you're seeing all this stuff right here, do you think that these coaches are in more hot water? Or do you think that this stuff will wash away? kind of what people have done with WWE over the last couple of months and everything with Austin Theory and Jordan Devlin and a lot of people. Hmm. Not going to lie. Just like WWE, yeah, I think I think their past would are more likely to be washed away. I, I agree because, I, I mean, when it comes to, like, organizations – and the NFL, the NBA, WWE, I feel like there, I feel like there's going to be a certain amount of group that will hate this, but it does get washed away, and people forget about it because, for example, Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd have these great seasons as head coaches, and they both win 60 games each for both teams in their top two, top three in the West next year. It's going to be very, very little talk of people saying this stuff. However, I do agree with people, though, that, that that if they don't feel comfortable with these coaching hires, that the best time to say something is now. It is going to be the best time because, because if you don't say nothing now and you wait a year and say next year Portland's in the Western Conference Finals versus Dallas, no one's not going to want to hear that. They're not going to. And it's, it's, not, it's not an insult to people. It's just... Money triumphs over um, the person. And it gets told that to us all the time. Tavon, you and I both 
are never happy with WWE's product. We're not happy with a lot of things that WWE does. But yeah. at the same time, though, WWE is worth so much money that they could give a damn about our feelings. You know, the UFC is a pure prime example of someone that doesn't care about people's feelings neither. And give and will and like for example, with the Francis Nagato situation, who just sent a tweet out saying, "Why is a boxer Jake Paul making twenty million dollars? I mean, he's not a boxer, and I'm a legit MMA fighter." And you know, and now. Francis Nagato has to now have an, and now there's going to be a new interim champion come the seventh of August. You know, and, and you and and you feel and you do feel that way, but at the same time, though, you know, the companies, especially enterprises, I feel like they're going to ignore this. But I feel like right now, if you if the, if you're trying to make the noise and you don't like these guys as head coaches because of you know past issues. Then you better say something now, you know. And, and, and I will say this here, though, that I, I, that I'm not a fan of of like you know the the stuff here because because uh, I do feel that people do deserve their right to be proven innocent. I know I'm probably going to get some backlash for this, but you know I, I am glad that we do get to talk about some of it. You know, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and mention that it's probably never going to be talked about all the time. We're, we're never going to talk about this here all the time. But, you know, I definitely want to let people know that they definitely do have a voice and everything. And, you know, yes, there is going to be times where we have to talk about this, you know, because because say if these coaches, you know, say if this does have more legs on it, then then we will have to be having more discussions about it. And and that and that is going to have to be that. Um, However. My my thing is here, I definitely feel that right now, you know, it is good to finally be able to talk about this here. Because, because again, you know, Tavon, you know, I didn't have this podcast last year. And around this time is, you know, where a lot of wrestlers were getting in trouble. Um, yeah. It was it was over – had to be over 30-some wrestlers, I believe. You know, Joey yeah, Ryan it was, was wild the, last year. Exactly. And Joey Ryan was the biggest one, you know um, – and, 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 you know, and, you know, there's, there's, and of course, and of course he, you know, released an hour long YouTube video about explaining what he did and, and all this. And it's, it's just like, you know, some, I mean, some people are going to defend it and, and they're going to people, people that are going to say, well, you know what, you know, you're guilty and prove, until proven innocent. And I definitely feel like some issues you, you got to have to pull back the curtain real quick and say, okay, well, is these accusations true or not? You know, and, you know, it has to be on the companies as well. The companies have to be the ones that have to yeah. put a stop to it. And, and you know, good news for Impact and AEW, they did. Sammy Guevara was suspended. Um, jo- Joey Ryan was fired by Impact. Jimmy Havoc was fired by Impact. Uh, well, not by Impact, by AEW. You know, um, and WWE was the ones that fired some people, but just suspended some and then they didn't suspend any, you know, I mean, and, and that's just how it is, you know? Um, but definitely though, I do hope that, that people that don't like him as a coach don't like either guy as a coach. Um, I hope they do keep speaking up, you know, because you know, it is their fan base and their team. And I respect um, the fan bases and teams. I do, you know, if, if the Dallas Mavericks fans don't like Jason Kidd and believe they don't want him as a coach, 
keep speaking up about it because this is going to be your best time to say something now. If you don't say anything now, it's going to be worse and then you're going to regret it. So, so definitely to fans. Um, and same thing with Portland. Um, other issue though. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely believe neither coach brings more winning to either team. Damian Lillard, there were reports out by Crispy Haynes of Yahoo Sports that Damian Lillard is very antsy and not happy with the coaching hire in Portland. But, you know, not because of anything of Chauncey Billups off the court allegations. It's just it doesn't believe that Chauncey Billups is the right coach. I've got to ask you this here, Tavon. Do you, if you're Damian Lillard, what do you want from Portland right now? Do you think, if if you're Damian Lillard, do you think that Portland can build a championship team around me in the next two to three seasons, or do you feel, if you're Damian Lillard, that maybe it is time to start looking or asking for a trade? Because right now Portland has been in the same situation, and I want to keep this in mind. Here for you too. Last four out of five seasons, they have not made it out of the first round of the playoffs. If I'm Dame, I I basically would want basically a third a third star uh, because CJ McCollum. I mean, he's obviously the second star, and if that's not the case, I mean, yeah, I would be looking at a trade because I don't think I see Portland necessarily being that much successful in two to three years. I agree. Um, and if and if I'm Damian Lillard and I can't get a third star, I would, I would suggest strongly a, a trade request because it's probably the best time to do it. Um, special shout-out to Kawhi Leonard. His birthday is actually today on June 29th. He was born in 1991. And, um, have, and um, hey, also in 1982, James Worthy was the first overall pick in the 1982 NBA draft. And also, happy birthday to Joe Johnson, the Little Rock, Arkansas native, um, and the Atlanta Hawks, um, arguably the Atlanta Hawks' best player of the 2000s. It was his birthday today as well. And, hey, it's also the same day Trace McGrady was traded from the Orlando Magic to the Houston Rockets. So some cool stuff right there. How about this year, though? Um, getting ready to get into Monday Night Raw. Before we get into WWE and everything right here in our second hour, uh, we will be back with Keeping It 200 Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. Um, live on Green Room on Spotify right after. Um, so, Tavon, that will definitely be that. Um, Tavon, will you be available Thursday? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and also, there were questions that, that we did have for Blackheart here, but of course, he's no longer going to be on the show, so I can go ahead and just answer them to the best of my knowledge. Uh, the one question was going to be, when um, does his season kick off? I'm not going to be doing that. Um, and how long was his season going to last? I don't know. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, I, I did have people that, you know, were just – very upset by the comments that he just had said, you know, to me on Friday night. And, you know, I talked to someone that I love and they just told me that I didn't need that. And, hey, you know, I, I have to listen to, I definitely have to listen to my viewers. I definitely do. And I have to listen to my family as well. Um, but yeah, 
But anyway, so we're going to get into Monday Night Raw, though. Thursday, we will be back covering um, the two games. Of course, it will be Game 6 of the Clippers. Suns, that's Wednesday night. Tomorrow night is the Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta Hawks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that's definitely going to be that. And then, of course, we'll get into some NHL action as well, Thursday as well. Um, how about this here for Monday Night Raw? Um, Blackheart, did you see tonight's show? Yes, I did. All right. Well, um, this show started really weird to me for some reason. It just started off with a battle royal. And then Adam Pearson, Sonya Deville announced that Randy Orton couldn't compete in tonight's last chance triple threat match. They noted he's not there for reasons out of their control. So basically they advertised a whole match for a week and they changed it up on the fly. So they announced the winner of the battle royal would take Randy Orton's spot in triple threat later. Riddle ran up, claimed that he had a note from Randy Orton stating Riddle should take his place. Of course, Riddle wrote the note um, and none of the words are even Randy Orton's, and they didn't even make any sense. But Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce said, you know what? If you can win the Battle Royal, you can represent Randy Orton. And if you win two matches tonight, Randy Orton gets in the Battle Royal. So basically, Randy Orton didn't have to work a match tonight, and Riddle had to work two. Um, so yeah, um, this was really weird. It really was really weird to open this show for some reason. Um, of course, Riddle. Um, of course, we had Riddle win the battle royal, but this was actually a really good battle royal. And the the fun parts of this were, you know, as well with the twenty four seven thing. You know, you and I had not seen our truth in weeks. Yeah. And they actually and they actually let our truth back on TV. And Akira Dazawa was eliminated, so Drew Gulak pinned him outside the ring for the twenty four seven title. So I didn't even know Akira Dazawa was still champion. So then Drew Gulak. Um, won the championship for like five seconds, and our truth beat him. And then our truth won the championship for five seconds, and then Akira Dazawa then won it back, and Akira Dazawa ran. So um, I did not know Akira Dazawa was the 24-7 champion, but they should probably go ahead and retire this championship, agreed? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a great championship to me, and I don't, I, I don't get it anyway. So... Um, then almost walked down to the ringside. He then pulled out the Viking Raiders at the same time, and he beat them down around ringside. Then back um, from the commercial break, it, Jeff Hardy then eliminated. Um, Jeff Hardy was eliminated by Cedric Alexander. So Cedric Alexander, Jeff Hardy feud will continue. I don't know if it will continue on Raw or main event. So um, Then Priest caught Alexander with the hit the lights. Tossed out Alexander. Then it got to Riddle Priest, and this is where the match really was actually really good. They actually had a good couple of minutes where they just traded good spots, and Riddle won um, with the, you know, he rocked um, Priest with a knee to win the Battle Royal. And then Riddle demanded to play Randy Orton's music, not his. And then Randy Orton, and then when Riddle's was doing the pose. Pyro hit, and then he got scared real quickly because he, because he forgot that Randy Orton actually has pyro. So um, I, I yeah. was like, I was kind of like laughing because I'm like, I'm like, don't you have pyro too? Like, no offense, like I don't know why you were complaining. Like, um, then they recapped the Shannon Baszler Alexa Bliss feud, and then Shannon Baszler was just shuffling a deck of cards, and Nia Jackson said, "Are you preparing for a match or a card game?" 
And then Baszler said the cards help her keep her relaxed. Reginald tried to apologize, but Baszler knows it's Alexa Bliss's fault, and she promised to beat Nikki Cross tonight. And, of course, she said that she was going to um, deal with Alexa Bliss and put her and that stupid doll in um, timeout permanently. Of course, Alexa Bliss was in the background watching all of it. And for some reason, they kept cutting backstage to Jackson Riker hitting himself with the strap. Like, all night. They kept cutting back to it. He's wearing the red and yellow trunks. Um, you know, wink, wink, people. Because they basically just, like, tell you that they don't even care it, what he is anymore. They, they really don't care. And they're just like, like, look here. Like, look here. We're just going to push him as a baby face whether people like it or not. Um, he didn't have no personality hitting himself with this strap all night. I really will say that. In the back, Kevin Patrick interviewed AJ Styles and almost. Styles was furious that Riddle was in the match and thought that, you know, he'd take on McIntyre in a singles match. Almost claimed he was scouting the competition when he pulled out the Viking Raiders. And Kevin Patrick was, like, defending the Viking Raiders for, um, and then would not defend AJ Styles in the Viking Raiders last week, came out and literally was costing AJ the match against Ricochet. And then, and then like, Kevin Patrick, like, said, like, I, you don't think it's fair that you cost the Viking Raiders a match tonight? And then AJ Styles was like, oh, well, let's see the video footage. And then AJ said, what do you have to say about that, Kevin? Kevin was like, a series of unfortunate events? Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, but you really just made your baby face, like, an interviewer just, like, say, man, you know, screw AJ. Like, the Viking Raiders are right, you know, and, AJ then said that he was going to um, win the Money in the Bank briefcase. He then had a whole year to plan it out and that he was going to beat the stinky Viking Raiders. So um, so then in the back, Sarah Schreiber interviewed Nikki Cross. But before Nikki Cross went out there, the Lucha House Party came up to her and said, Nikki, cool mask. You know, like, it's not that cool of a mask, um, guys. I don't know why they were trying to lie to her. Um, and then Sarah Schreiber said, Nikki, where's this inspiration came from all of a sudden? I'm like... What inspiration came all of a sudden? She's, she's literally thinking she's a superhero. And then what's even worse about this whole segment is she even keeps saying she doesn't have superpowers. But, quote, you know, I am, you know, like I'm inspiring people. Like, how are you inspiring people? You just said you don't have any superpowers. You, you Your two victories that you've gotten over Charlotte and Rhea Ripley – were because you ran away for two minutes and then got beaten and pummeled for 35 seconds of them. So, so then Nikki Cross then said that she's now known as Nikki Ash. So the commentators on this did not know whether to call her Nikki Cross or Nikki Ash. And I agree because then because then her ring entrance is literally Mike Rome is saying, making her way to the ring, almost a superhero. <laughs> Nikki Cross. I'm like, how are you almost a superhero? Either you don't have no abilities, or you don't have any at all. Just say that. Just, just, say, just say a cosplay superhero. I would have been fine with that, but don't be lying to me saying, oh well, I have powers. Like, there's no powers, and you should go on Instagram and then say the same thing, saying I don't have any powers or anything, but I'm inspiring people. I'm like, so your inspiration is. You think you're inspiring people, so that's very delusional then. So if we're going to go delusional route, then okay. You know, I would have been fine if she just said she was delusional. Um, Nikki Cross did defeat Shayna Baszler in 9 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, 
this match was just it was just whatever. I mean, they went to a commercial break. Um, afterwards, Alexa Bliss got involved with some magic, you know. So of course, literally the entire time, you know, like of course Nia Jax was about to slap herself, I guess, and then Reginald stopped that, and then Alexa Bliss actually did a pretty good shot. She kicked straight up. She kicked Nia Jax's knee, and then easily took her foot all the way to the back of her leg, and then kicked Reginald right in his no-nos. And both were laid out, and then Shayna Baszler looked like she was about to cry, and Nikki Cross got her again with another roll-up. So I guess Nikki Cross finisher is the roll-up. So, so, so actually, there is going to be a wrestler now with a roll-up finisher. Um, I, I do have to ask you this here, Tavon. Do you think Nikki Cross can actually get over with the superhero gimmick and just winning via roll-up? Can she get over with this? I think she can, but to be honest, I mean, the whole roll-up finisher thing, I mean, what happened to her other finisher? Like, does she always have to win with a roll-up? I mean, because she won... Against Shane in the same way last week. Like, she doesn't always have to win by a roll-up. I agree, but, you you know, know, I I literally said that that they were going to give a wrestler. Someone in AEW or WWE was going to get a a roll-up for a finisher. And now Nikki Cross now officially has a roll-up for a finisher. And (laughs) I I don't know what happened to her old one. I guess maybe they hated it. Or maybe they just thought she needed a new one. So now she's going to have a... A new finisher, and I, I guess it's fine. <laughs> Kofi Kingston MVP went face to face. This segment started off really slow and then got great at the end. But Kofi Kingston, to me, like, I mean, I mean, it was a fine promo to me, but I'm not interested in Kofi Kingston, Bobby Lashley for the WWE title. I'm just not because I know Bobby Lashley's going to beat Kofi, and. Literally, Kofi Kingston just discussed how he felt hopeless. He couldn't help Xavier Woods last week, and that, it, and then he, and then he said he couldn't get the image of Xavier Woods getting beaten by Bobby Lashley and MVP. MVP's music hit. He walked out with all of Lashley's ladies. MVP laughed at Kofi for thinking he could win the championship. MVP admitted that they're looking past Kingston. Because he's not a threat. MVP noted that Lashley is enjoying his vacation, but promised to destroy Kofi. Um, additionally, MVP promised that Lashley would make what Brock Lesnar did to Kofi seem like nothing. Kofi Kingston claimed Lashley's soft and that um, Bobby Lashley is getting softer every week. He said that if Drew McIntyre, he said, he said if you didn't help um, Lashley beat Drew McIntyre, you know McIntyre would be the WWE champion. He said that um, the ladies are making him more weak. MVP walked down the ramp. He claimed that Kofi Kingston took the title back to Ghana for his ego. Kingston promised that Woods returns next week because he's not like MVP. Kingston believed MVP is just um, milking the knee injury. MVP was offended and said he's not cleared because he's too hurt. Kofi went to jump out the ring and rocked MVP with a trouble in paradise, and Kofi just yelled at MVP that he wasn't hurt before, but he's hurt now. It was a good segment at the end, but I didn't like this segment. What did you think of this segment, Tavon? Uh, 
I like the um, segment. It was a good segment. <laughs> I, I mean, it pretty much got funny at the end <laughs> when Kobe <laughs> was trash talking um, <laughs> MVP. Plus, the ladies were tripping with their reactions. They, they were, but but you know what's so sad, though? The ladies make more reaction than the damn virtual crowd. I've, yeah. I've really, I've really noticed that. Like these ladies, and these ladies are only getting paid five hundred dollars for an appearance, and they make more noise than the damn virtual crowd, which is amazing. Because I'm like, shouldn't the virtual crowd be making more noise than these women? If I'm these women, I should be like making half-hearted noises and everything. But these ladies really have great facial expressions. They they sell great. They they literally love being there. I think that's why they keep yeah. getting brought back because because they really have good personality. They really do. They're not they're not robotic. They're just they're just happy mm-hmm. to be there and they and they play a good heel character. They play good heel characters. Yeah. Um, then we had um, a recap of Eva Marie um, introducing Dewdrop. Later, Oscar and Naomi beat um, Marie and Dewdrop um, after Marie tagged herself in that match. And then Kevin Patrick interviewed um, Eva Marie and Dewdrop. Um, Marie, and even Marie called him, um, Kerwin this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, if, so I actually like that. Um, then even Marie is giving Dewdrop a chance to make up for last week. They take on Oscar and Naomi in the rematch, and even Marie and Dewdrop beat Oscar and Naomi in two minutes. Shorter match than last week, and, um, literally... Now Dewdrop and Eva Marie are just like literally they're they're not even like lying to you. They're now telling you they have problems and mm. they're not working as a team. And literally Dewdrop is literally getting like choked out for the whole like minute some duration. And then she's and then of course she breaks the sleeper hole from Oscar. She's getting ready to tag in Eva Marie and Eva Marie just jumps off the um ring apron. And she just tells Dewdrop to just handle it by herself. And then Dewdrop literally wins with a running crossbody splash for the victory. And, I mean, yeah. she beat Asuka. She beat a former women's champion. But if I'm Na- if, if you're Naomi and Asuka, I mean, this is pretty much over with, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, no offense. I mean, they should technically be winning the match. So I don't understand why that's happening. Uh, bringing in Ash. Ash, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? What's up, uh, man? Not much, not much man. That's Getting into much. some uh, Monday Night Raw. Um, literally just covering um, Eva, Mar- Eva Marie and Dewdrop beating Asuka and Naomi, despite the fact Asuka and Naomi are in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And yeah. They killed the poor women's. They killed, their women. they killed those women's momentums this week quickly. Yeah. But, um, well, uh, when Becky coming back? Uh, on a... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did have a question. Um, I did have a, a mailbag question um, for you this week. Uh, someone asked, when was Ash coming back? <laughs> oh, so who, who asked that? Uh, John in Iowa. John in Iowa? Yes. I, I'm not going to give out his last name. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, but someone just no because they, they literally had not seen you in like a couple of episodes and they just yeah. thought that that you just left like. But yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, hey, good, I mean, good, I mean, good stuff though. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, how about uh? So then, Ava Marie was shocked that Dewdrop won the match. She grabbed the mic and announced herself as the winner. 
So of course now like they they basically are just telling you Dewdrop and Eva Marie are gonna break up, but but of course Eva Marie can't have a match till SummerSlam, so we're just gonna have to keep dealing with this for the next six weeks, yep, probably. Pretty much. Um, they recapped. Um, so then of course in the back, Sarah Schreiber interviews John Morrison and the Miz. Morrison couldn't think of anything positive to say about the Miz because literally. John Morrison said, well, Miz is not the fastest, he's not the strongest, and then Miz said, but Miz is the smartest, and Morrison's like, yeah, he's the smartest, like, Miz has actually won the Money in the Bank twice and has cashed in the title twice, and Morrison really didn't think of anything nice to say about him, and then, of course, they did a tight close-up with Miz, and you thought Sarah Schreiber was holding the mic, and then Miz and John Morrison get scared because Ricochet's actually holding the mic. And I, at, at this point, I just felt like Ricochet was this. Is, this was just like the lowest point for poor Ricochet because at this point he's now having to be an interviewer, and then he steals a drip stick, and then he splashes water in John Morrison's face, and John Morrison sells it like he got burned with acid. And then Miz has to put his hands up for a damn water gun. And then he still gets splashed with it, and then Ricochet runs away. I'm like, man, like, way to build someone. Way to really build someone, man. Um, And then John Morrison and Ricochet had a match, and it ended in double count out in ten minutes. So, I, I was upset by this, because I was just like, I, 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 like, honestly, though, like, they really won't give Ricochet a victory. And I thought they would give John Morrison the victory, you know, with a Miz distraction or something. But they really wouldn't give any guy the victory. Fun. This was a fun match, but it's not like the Lucha Libre match that you would have um, thought from Lucha Underground. You know, this is not the Prince Puma um, John Hennigan match. However, um, there was a great spot though at the end. Literally, Ricochet teased to die, but Morrison jumped over the barricade. Morrison then sat on the barricade, taunted Ricochet. An incredible-looking spot where Ricochet just hit a springboard crossbody onto John Morrison over the barricade. Um, and then the match just ends in a double countout. What did you guys think of a double countout finish? Hmm? I, I said, what did you think of the double countout finish, Tavon? Oh, um, yeah, the double countout finish, I mean... Mm, not gonna lie, um, it's kind of pretty much a shame. I mean, cause that was a really good match. I mean, those two highlights that Ricochet did, that um, Hurricanewana off of Miz, Miz's wheelchair, and the um, crossbody off from the um, top rope of the um, apron to the barricade. I mean, it was pretty much um, some awesome spots, but. It, yeah, it probably should have ended with a clear winner. It didn't have to end that um, count out. No, it didn't. You could have at least gave Morrison or Ricochet the victory. Ash, what did you think of this match? Ah, uh, man, I really enjoyed it up until that point. Like, that crossbody was sick. But, yeah, I I don't like those finishes. I, I think in those type of matches, you should have a clear cut winner. Yeah. Fun fact, now Ricochet's now, his last two out of three matches on Raw have ended with a countout for some reason. He had a double yeah. countout against Roberto Carrillo, and then he has a double countout here, so. They, they're killing poor Ricochet's momentum. They really are. 
In the back, mm. Charlotte Flair spoke with Natalia and Tamina. Flair noted that they all under, all have the same understanding um, for their legacies. I didn't understand this whole six men, uh, this whole six women match because Charlotte and Rhea are both heels. Um, Mandy and Dana have clear cut been heels, and then Natalia and Tamina are heels. So I, I didn't get any of this. We we just I, I didn't understand this match, and I didn't understand the formula. And this match only went five minutes and thirty four seconds, and this match felt fifteen fucking minutes. This match dragged Charlotte Flair, Natalia, and Tamina won. And literally after the match, because we're just going to get to the finish, Charlotte wins, okay, with, um, she rocked Rose with the boot. And then after the match, Rhea Ripley hits a chalk block on Charlotte Flair's knee and then ran out the ring. So we, so we literally didn't establish whose heels and whose baby faces. And literally the entire match, literally Rhea Ripley and Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke before the commercial break, literally attacked um, Charlotte, Natalia, and Tamina. And this was, like, really weird. Tavon, Tavon, what did you make of this six women tag match? Yeah, I'll agree with what you said. Um, it's kind of weird. I mean, knowing that they... Knowing that... Um, knowing that Natalia and Tamina were heels before... Mandy and Dana were heels. I'm pretty sure it would have been clear that Mandy and Dana were sort of faces in which Rhea Ripley is supposed to be a face. Yeah, this this whole thing with Rhea Ripley being a heel since she's been on the main roster, it's weird. I don't know why they kind of made her a bit heelish. She should have been. She should have been acting acting face after winning against Oscar at WrestleMania and also the the finish yeah I, I'm not gonna lie <laughs> the fact where Charlotte beats Mandy with a big boot instead of her figure four eight leg lock not gonna lie that might be the laziest finish I've seen <laughs> it, it really did just prove to me that they were just like we don't have any plans for you women for this match, so just go out there and just do something for, like, five minutes, really. Ash, what did you think yeah, of this match? Yeah, I didn't care for it. They just... <laughs> the way they treat their women as of late, they just put them all together and, hey, let's just fight for a few minutes and get a little spots. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, in the back, uh, Jackson Riker again is hitting himself with the stupid strap. They cut to this poor. They cut to this motherfucker hitting himself with a strap three fucking times on this show tonight. This was like way too many. Like I was just like, what the fuck is? What the fuck was this even accomplishing? So our troop finally comes back there with some personality. Like, thank God someone came back there with some personality. I mean, because this poor motherfucker would have just kept hitting himself. Um, Akira Dezala ran um, uh, ran um, away, and then R-Truth was like, came up to him and said, Hey, why are you hitting yourself with that strap? You want to talk about it? And then R-Truth said, You can't see me? <laughs> I thought that was like the funniest part. And then Riker um, then talked and said that he was preparing himself for war. And that Riker said that he's exp- he explained he's purging all the pain from his body, 
Truth said, when you're done with that, can I have um, that to win back my baby? And then Riker just kept hitting himself. And I was like, and then Archer said, oh, would you look at the time? Gotta go. <laughs> I was like, I actually like, I was like, man, they actually really like had to give Jackson Riker some personality and he failed at that one job. He failed at the one job to get some personality over on this show. And then Riker and Elias had a three-minute match, three-minute strap match. Riker wins. Here's the only memorable part about this match. I, I did not watch this match because I did not give two shits about this match. The only thing I did see, though, was that Elias has new entrance music, and it's not him singing. It's a generic guy singing. And it's not even about him. So they done told me they gave up on Elias's singing, too, so... So we'll probably never be seeing Elias sing unless you go to a WWE house show. Dang. Yeah, well. Whenever they replace you with a guy that's not even your voice and he's singing generic music, you're pretty much done for in that, in that company. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if he's on the next list of budget cuts. The way, the way they've now just told me about that. Um, in the back, Damian Priest approached Riddle. Riddle is literally thinking he's Randy Orton. So yeah, <laughs> um, the, the, this whole show just got weird in the third hour because you had Riddle pretending he's Randy Orton, um, and then Damian Priest comes up to him and the, and then like he said he said hey Riddle he said congratulations on beating me tonight, and Riddle said I'm not Riddle I'm Randy Orton I'm the Apex Predator what do you want, and then <laughs> and then Damian Priest said oh that's a damn shame if. Riddle was here. I was gonna ask, would he like to go to Burger King and I buy him a new chicken sandwich? And, and then Riddle then turns around and then he, he holds out his hand and then Bruce is like, "What the hell do you want? A high five? Like? Then Riddle said, "No, the key." He said, "It's me." He said, "He said, you know, Randy and I do this key bit and everything." And and then and then Bruce said, "Well, I know you're not Randy." He said, "I knew you weren't the whole time." And then he told, and they told Riddle. He said, "Riddle, never forget, Randy's the one that's lucky to have you." And then Riddle's like, "Aw!" Like I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I said, "I said, are you flirting with this man?" I said, "What the hell kind of shit was this for my show?" I said, "I said, I'm done with this show automatically." I was like, "I literally said, poor Riddle." I was like, "Poor fucking Riddle!" Like, oh my god! Like they, they literally. And then the WWE Twitter account said. Is he really Randy Orton? I'm like, motherfucker, you know what the fuck Randy Orton looks like. Randy Orton's six foot five, two, 240 fucking pounds. Riddle is six foot with more fucking, he's got fucking Jungle Boy hair almost. What the fuck? Did you yeah, think? exactly. I was like, what the fuck did you motherfuckers think? Like, like and, then, and then it should be pretty fucking obvious that they both don't even fucking look alike. I mean, uh, I would not be shocked when these two feud in like a couple of months. And, and and we're back to like the 1994 Undertaker versus Undertaker bullshit. Where Riddle oh. dresses like Randy Orton. Oh. We're going to be in that bullshit. I, I promise you. We're going to be in this bullshit because they're already telling you that we're going to be. Yeah. Kevin Kevin Patrick interviews um, Drew McIntyre and asks – and this is the first thing he just asked Drew McIntyre. He doesn't even believe in McIntyre. This, and, and this is pretty bad because they're both from England. So I don't even know why he didn't believe in his own friend. This is what he said. He said, Drew, do you even think you can beat AJ Styles and Riddle? I was like, what the fuck? I said, I said this dude just said, like, hey, look here, buddy. 
do you even think you can win this match or are you just fucking with me? Like, like that's what he, that's what he honestly said. It's like, he's like, man, we're already at the third hour. Like, are you just fucking with me? Like, Drew McIntyre did not tell a story. And thank goodness they ended these stupid stories about Drew McIntyre talking about Scottish folk tales. Because Drew just said, well, I could just tell you this story, but it doesn't fucking matter. He's like, and he literally just said it doesn't fucking matter. He said that tonight, he said, I'm just going to beat AJ and I'm going to beat Riddle. And I was like, thank goodness they ended this stupid bullshit. And then we had a 27-minute match. Uh, this was the last chance Money in the Bank triple threat. Three and three quarters. I definitely would recommend anybody to just check out. If you had to look at one thing on Raw tonight, look at the main event. The main event was so much fun. Drew McIntyre defeated Riddle and AJ Styles. They told a really good story in between it as well. Um, typical structure for WWE Triple Threat. They take one guy out of the match. So, of course, McIntyre had the early advantage in Rock Styles with a clothesline. He followed up with a suplex on Riddle for a near fall. And then, of course, Styles sent um, McIntyre to the floor. Styles ended up on the apron, but McIntyre hit his knee. McIntyre cleared the announce table and set up for a Celtic cross, but Styles slipped out and Riddle's Rock McIntyre with a knee. And all three fought around, trading shots. Styles sent McIntyre into the ring post. And then Riddle um, followed up with a suplex on the floor. And then before the break, Styles worked over Riddle's leg in a slow pace. McIntyre out of the match after going through the table because uh, McIntyre beforehand went through the table from Riddle and Styles working together. And I like that because they took out the big guy and they focused on themselves having a match. And Styles and Riddle had a good match whenever they were in the ring together. And then when Drew McIntyre got back up... McIntyre went crazy and was taking out AJ on the outside. Then, of course, Riddle gets a comeback. Riddle's hitting just leg kicks and leg kicks on both um, to the chest of McIntyre and AJ. And then Riddle literally goes up. He's literally getting ready to kick AJ Styles, but AJ moved out the way. So Riddle's foot crashed into the um, stairs. And then Riddle literally – this is where I thought it was like cheesy – but I still liked it because Riddle starts crying. He's like, oh, my foot broke. He literally said my foot's broken. And then he's wiggling his toes. I'm like, you motherfucker, I just saw you wiggle your toes. Like, If you're going to like say that you got a broken foot, wait till the camera cuts. Then wiggle your toes. Like, Because if you got a broken foot, you ain't going to be able to wiggle your toes. So then, of course, medical staff comes out. This poor medical staff, I mean – they didn't even know what to fucking do for Riddle neither with this foot injury because they just – literally, you had the one girl just telling Riddle, don't put no weight on it. And you had one referee and one other medical dude just tell, just, just say it to Riddle like, come on to the back. And Riddle's like, I can't let Randy down, bro. Like, like I this is funny. So then McIntyre and Styles went back and forth. Riddle's out of the match. Styles dropped uh, McIntyre on the top turnbuckle to take over. McIntyre recovered, hit a beautiful Michinoku driver for a close near fall. Styles fought back and locked in a calf crusher. Riddle limped down. He's got tape on the foot. Locked in a bro mission on Styles. Styles broke free. Riddle um, rocked McIntyre with a kick to the head with the bad foot. Styles went for the phenomenal forearm, but Riddle countered it with a knee. Then hit a RKO out of nowhere. Riddle does do a pretty good RKO. I will admit that. And then almost pulled Styles out of the ring. McIntyre then hit the Claiborne kick on Riddle for the victory. 
If I'm almost, I would have been, you know, if I'm aging, I would have been pissed about the finish because, I mean, yeah, you saved me, but you didn't save my chance of winning this match. <laughs> and Riddle, uh, then McIntyre qualified for the Money in the Bank guy match. He posed on the top turnbuckle to end Raw. What did you guys think of this main event match? Um, it's, Yeah, very enjoyable. I would say, yeah, that's one of the positives of Raw was the main event. Um, and I, I figured Drew would win. Tavon, what about you? What did you think of the main event? It was a pretty good main event. It was a pretty good tri- triple threat. <laughs> the fact where um, the fact where Matt Woodall pretty much got hurt and then came back like he was Paul Pierce or something. I mean, it was just it was just <laughs> funny. I, I will say though, the entire show they told you that Riddle was probably going to win, and then he didn't, and that was actually really shocking because usually when WWE does stuff like that throughout the entire show, they just tell you that Riddle is like going to win because they push Riddle so hard in the first hour, the third hour he's like pretending he's Randy Orton and shit, and I mean yeah, I was actually shocked by the finish. I didn't think McIntyre was going to win. I honestly thought Riddle was going to win in yeah, some form or fashion. I didn't think how I didn't know how he was gonna win, but I knew he was. I thought he was gonna win, and I thought he was gonna win right there, and then almost pulled him out of the ring. So yeah, um, so yeah. Um, next week's Raw is only got one match to announce, and it's the match that we've already seen. It's Xavier Woods, um, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, that's not fun. Um, not looking forward to Raw the next week, like usual. Um, on a day, um, and then also on Friday. This um, was reported by Vince Russo. Um, I don't know how the hell he knows this, but he did. Uh, he claimed Bruce Pritchard is no longer writing WWE Friday Night SmackDown, but still writes Monday Night Raw wrong with Vince McMahon. On SmackDown, however, mm-hmm. he was replaced by Mike Hefner, who joined WWE from MTV. And Mike Hefner is writing with Paul Triple H Levesque and Michael Hayes, which... I actually have to believe Vince Russo because, no offense, SmackDown is way different from Raw, and Vince does not really go to SmackDown anymore. I, I, I've i been told that maybe he goes maybe once a month, but most of the stuff Vince does, Vince is not – like, Vince just does not really worry about SmackDown anymore because that's literally Levesque's show. Like, Vince still has final words on a lot of things if he's there, but – for the most part, Vince Young just lets Paul Levesque do whatever he wants on SmackDown, and I mean, hmm. if that is true, I mean, good. I mean, good enough for WWE. I mean, because I mean, here's one thing I can say about WWE: every show that they do is different right now. Um, with Raw, you you get the you get the bullshit. With SmackDown, you know Roman Reigns is going to get pushed, and they tell you Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, and Jimmy Uso's the main storyline. And on NXT, it's different from both Raw and SmackDown. You know, every show is technically different. Yeah. They all are all different in their own various ways. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't mind that. Um, Ash, um, what, what is your thoughts? Um, if this is true that Bruce Pritchard is no longer right in SmackDown, and it's just um, Triple H, Michael Hayes, and this guy, Mike Hefner. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, they're they're all different. And SmackDown, what I like about SmackDown is they'll try with some of the, like the mid card, they'll try to push mm-hmm. certain guys. I feel like, yeah, like, I know Big E's push hasn't been all that great, but yet, but 
I, he still has a lot of potential. Uh, Tavon, what about you? What's your thoughts? Um, I say it's um, I say it's good. I mean, it's pretty much good that SmackDown has this all under control without Bruce Prichard because, well, we all know <laughs> Bruce Prichard when it comes to Raw alongside Vince. I mean, it it yeah. just, it just doesn't work out. No, no, no. Um, and, and it pretty much tells you that that it is different because look at Bruce what he does on Mondays, and then look what. Bruce does on um, what you call it, and look what Bruce does. Um, uh, well, no, sorry, and then look what they do on SmackDown. I don't know why I said look at Bruce on SmackDown, yeah. but Bruce, you know, I, but but I will also say this here too: for all the shit Bruce gets shitted on, this guy does work his ass off. This guy's had said two strokes. He he is sixty some years old. He does come to work. He, he I mean. The guy, I mean, for people that say, oh, he's an ass kisser and everything, yeah, he, I, I mean, he might be to, to people, but to me, he does everything right, and, and, and he gets rewarded, and no offense, I mean, I never see anybody else's ideas make TV except Bruce's, and that should tell you something. It should, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, I mean, I will give credit to Bruce. I know that I actually was listening to um, something to wrestle with podcast. Um, a wrestling historian, check out his Instagram. He actually went to Vegas, and this week's anniversary, um, this weekend's anniversary was Vengeance 2005. It, it, the main event was Triple H Batista in arguably the most underrated Hell in a Cell match ever. Yes, I agree. Um, and of course, the co main event was John Cena defeating Christian and Chris Jericho in a very underrated 15 minute match. Then you also had Shawn Michaels' um, HBK, which, in my opinion, was With the Kurt best Angle. match. Yep, 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 yep. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's literally a very underrated match. That probably might have been the most underrated match of the year on pay per view that year. It also might have been because Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle had like 28 minutes. And this told you a beautiful masterpiece. And um, of course, there is some very bad parts about it in Las Vegas. Uh, Lillian Garcia proposed to Viscera, and Viscera <laughs> said that he would consider it. And then the Godfather came with his hose, and then yeah. said, "Why get married when you can just have five hoes?" And um, poor Lillian Garcia was then left alone to cry in the ring while Viscera left her. And um, and then Bruce, and then Conrad said, "Bruce, what the fuck were you thinking about this here?" You know what Bruce said. Oh, we were just trying to have fun, just trying to wake up the crowd. I'm like, you wake up the crowd by doing some shit like that? Like, if someone told me that's how you wake up a crowd, I would have been pissed the fuck off. I'd be like, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels just had this beautiful match, and the first thing you want to follow up with is poor Lillian Garcia having to be known by a 500-pound fat fuck. Oh, fuck that. Admit it, Lillian. That was awful. That was awful. Poor Lillian. Well, what's even worse about this here is the Godfather's been married to the same woman for 35 years. He even tells you that shit. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, why the fuck would I listen to him? He's married. He's legit married. And, and you know what's even funny? He'll even say that his wife even told him, you should be a pimp on TV. And he hates <laughs> pimps because he worked in a bar and yeah. said, if there's any pimps in here, 
I'm gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> like, he hates him. Like, why would I even want to listen to a guy that doesn't even want to be him? He literally got the inspiration from his wife. No. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. And then, and then poor Vincent 05, I mean, I mean, at the time, then Conrad asked, um, Bruce, well, what were you guys doing with Tyson Tomko? Did you guys, were you guys trying to push Christian as a main event guy? And they were like, well, no, we were nah. trying to push Tyson Tomko. I was like, I was like, damn, you just buried poor Christian again. I'm like, <laughs> but I was like, I was, he said, he said, yo, yeah, fuck Christian. We were trying to push Tyson Tomko. Like, I was like, okay. Well, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let's just push another meathead. Like, <laughs> so, um, but I thought it was, but um, but I mean, good pay per view though. Good pay per view. The wrestling historian he told this funny story. He went. Um, he brought his tickets last minute, and he literally went up to the Thomas and Max Center in line, and he said, "What seats do you got available?" This guy said, "I got two front row seats for two hundred dollars." He brought it for two hundred bucks. That was a hundred dollars each. That's incredible. And he got a commemorative chair and everything. So before the match, you know, John Cena at the time was doing the the chain game. He had the hat and everything. He threw the hat and the jersey out to the um, to the people in the crowd. So he threw the hat, and the wrestling historian caught it. Wow! And he and he caught it with the other guy, and the other guy had a death grip on it. And these two guys were fighting. And this guy said that this guy was about 450. He like this around. <laughs> and he was mean mucking him with a death grip. And you know what the wrestling story said back to him? He's like, I'm not giving this up. Like, <laughs> I said, you know what I would have done if I was that dude? I was like, man, I'll just sell your ass in, man. Fuck you. <laughs> you ain't leaving with my fucking hat, bitch. Like, and, and, then, and, then he, and then he showed a picture of the hat. The poor hat is warped. Because they depth gripped it so fucking hard, the damn hat is warped. Like, the poor chain gain hat. Like, oh my god, like, if the chain could talk, the chain would be coughing right now. That damn chain would have a berkelosis, it'd have COVID, it'd have pneumonia. It'd be like, <laughs> these motherfuckers they 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 work the damn hat so hard like the only damn thing that works is the back of it where you can just change the damn strap on it but damn they work the motherfucking hat so, so i don't know what the fuck happened when they death gripped it they death gripped that bitch for 20 fucking minutes then because you have to really be a tough motherfucker to grip some Damn hat, man. I'm a, it, you, know, you know, I'm a grown ass man, but I'm not gonna death grip no damn hat for 20 minutes. I don't give a fuck. Unless Cena signed it, then okay, then maybe I will. But if he didn't sign the damn hat, then no, like that ain't even worth it. But um, funny stuff there. It was a funny thing. Um, also, um, some other uh, wrestling historian news. Um, this weekend we had Muhammad Ali. Versus Antonio Inoki in New Japan. This match is the weirdest match ever in history. And it is known as a terrible match. Here's how the match went. Muhammad Ali could literally do boxing punches. And Antonio Inoki could not wrestle Ali. But he could give him kicks. So Muhammad Ali actually got... um, He actually got blood vessels in his legs. Because Antonio Inoki kept kicking him. Antonio Inoki... It's reported he kicked him over 200 times Damn. in a six-round fight. And Ali did not throw – like, and Ali was, like, trying to work the match as a wrestler. 
and he didn't even throw really any hard punches at Anoki. So, so, it, so you know, if I'm Ali, man, I would have knocked that motherfucker out after he kicked me like two <laughs> or three times. I've been like, man, fuck you, like I would have had the crowd booing me. You know, now I would have been like how the Simpsons were when they went to Japan and and literally we're like we're Homer went to the sumo mat and he said, spare some salt, Tubby. Like and then, and then the sumo said. Tubby! <laughs> he said, I got a glare's real problem. And then he stole Homer's pretzel and then Homer, like, hit him upside the head with a chair. And then the, and then the emperor came up to Homer and then said, oh, congratulations, I'm the emperor. And then Homer said, oh, yeah, well, I'm King Karmasaurus. And then threw the damn emperor into the you sumo thong. <laughs> and then he celebrated, and the crowd was booing him like, like he said. And then he had to go to jail. <laughs> and then in jail, um, Marge and Lisa asked what the hell they did in there, and they're like, "Oh, well, we had to do like forty minutes of minecrafting. We had to do art and shit, and then we had to, and then we had to." be in this play and I'm going to be Ori but they made me uh, Yuri and then and then they lured Origami and then and then like and then Bart and Homer were talking in Japanese. They said they said, should we teach them the secret to peace? And then Bart said, No, they're foreign devils. <laughs> so oh man. Oh, I was laughing my ass off. But um other um anniversaries the CM Punk pipe bomb. Yeah, um, and they um, and then there was also a uh, footage. Fun fact: it actually happened in the same place as Vengeance So Five. It happened in Las Vegas as well. <laughs> wow. So yeah, and um, our truth beat John Cena in the main event in a yeah, tables match. In a tables match. Punk. Yeah, it was. I actually remember that episode of Raw. I actually watched that show. It was um, it was actually a really good show. Um. What they don't tell you though is CM Punk lost to Kane via like a countout. <laughs> they never told you that part. They never told you like how CM Punk got to the pipe bomb thing. Like, but but I mean I mean good stuff right there. Um, also Cena's debut in. Con- oh Ooh. yeah, yeah, and hey, and and then hey, don't forget yesterday, mankind, hell in a cell. Oh. Yeah, with the Undertaker. Ooh, yeah, and then it was also this, and it was also the same show where Kane beat Stone Cold Steve Austin in a first blood match. The first, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I but however, however, Kane did say though that he actually was pissed off at Mick Foley because they could not top that, and it's true, no match could top what Mick Foley and Undertaker did that night. Um, however, Kane, however, Kane does say that he does regret having like heat with Mick about that, but. Even Stone Cold Steve Austin was at the monitor that night and said, "Yeah, we're not topping that." But, but then again, it kind of is hard to top a first blood match when Kane's wearing like an all like like red mask, and you can't even show blood, and Stone Cold literally like is gonna like bleed like a motherfucker, and they almost stopped the match early because Austin literally had like a cut on the back of his back. So. Um, also, this past weekend in Connecticut at a Dave Chappelle show, Vince McMahon was actually backstage. Hmm. Yeah. Um, fun fact, Vince McMahon, Dave Chappelle, and myself all share the same birthday. So, oh, wow. Oh, um, cool. Exactly. Cool. So, so hey, uh, it, was actually, so it was actually really cool. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, hey, that shows Vince McMahon really loves Dave Chappelle's comedy because Vince would not be going to any show in Connecticut like that if he didn't think Dave Chappelle was funny. 
And yeah. he took pictures backstage with everybody. And I mean, Vince looked happy. I mean, I mean, shit. I mean, I didn't know Vince actually liked Dave Chappelle comedy. So I mean, yeah, that's there's a lot of stories we still yeah. don't. There mm-hmm. is a lot of stories we don't know about Dave um, about Vince McMahon. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, like, there's really not a lot of stories we know about Vince. Like, yeah, because we always I mean, think we, negative, if, but there, but there has to be good in inside Vince, right? <laughs> exactly, and yeah. not only that, and not only that, I would just love to have. If I, and 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 I, and I think that if you ever made a Vince book, you have to make like twelve of them. Like you know how they did with Roots. Like I know I'm making a really bad comparison here, but <laughs> listen, people, I'm not trying to douse this. I would say make like twelve b- books about Vince McMahon. Like you can do like six on the wrestling, and then six just be about his personal life. Like what did he like to do? You know, did he eat Oreos as a cheat meal? Was did he really <laughs> work out at five a.m. and would send Chris Pick- at Chris Jericho pictures of him shirtless? You know, does he have a painting in his house? Because does he have a painting in his house? Where because apparently there's this painting in this house where Chris Jericho has said before that Vince has a painting in his house whenever you go downstairs, and on the wall it's Vince, but he's naked and his thing is like three feet long. So, so I don't know if that is true or not, but if it is, you know, first off, he, first off, that's creepy as hell if he did that because, and, and, and second of all, here's how I, here's how I know this kind of is true because in the movie See No Evil with Kane, there was a scene that Vince wanted Kane to do. Kane wanted, um, Vince wanted Kane to kill a woman, but how he wanted the woman to die was Kane put the thing in her mouth. And the thing would be two feet long. So I don't know if that's true or not. But it's some funny stories if that did happen. Because there is a lot of stuff that, that I would love to know about Vince. You know, as a guy like, you know, like, does he really only get two, three hours of sleep? Is he that kind of guy that, you know, you know, and that is true. You don't, we don't really know a lot about Vince to me. Like, there's a lot of people like Vince McMahon, Kawhi Leonard, you know, Dave Chappelle even. We don't know a lot about guys like that because yeah, exactly. they, they keep everything. Yeah. They keep so many stuff secretive. Like no one doesn't know that Kawhi Leonard has three kids and he just had one that was born last year. You know, no one didn't know Kawhi Leonard liked NBA YoungBoy music till this past year. You know, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And Dave Chappelle, I mean, look at Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle was gone from you know TV and you know everything for over a decade, and you know now he's back officially. You know, but I mean, it was a long time where we didn't hear anything about Dave Chappelle. You know, like everyone thought Dave Chappelle was racist towards Asians, but then you see him with an Asian wife and you see him with a child and, you know, and people just thought, oh, well, we, we always just thought like, no, like Dave Chappelle just did that for comedy. He probably did that to just fuck with us. But Dave Chappelle, <laughs> like, Dave Chappelle was literally like someone that you don't know about either. So, I mean, a lot of good stuff right there. I mean, a lot of good stuff. And, you know, I, I mean... It, I mean, that is pretty cool, though. I mean, but we definitely need some Vince books because, because like, you know, like Jim Ross and Jim Cornette and these guys, they, they have Vince stories, but no one has actual Vince, Vince stories, except maybe his barber, maybe. I mean, because, I mean, because a lot of people, because remember, for like 20-some years, everyone thought Vince wore toupee. Everyone did, you know? I never believed that, though, but, but, but even Jerry the King Lawler, if you sat behind him at commentary... There there be people that said Jerry Lawler said that he is wearing a toupee, you know, like so. 
How about this here, though? Um, some AEW Dark Elevation results. We're not going to go into the matches. We're just going to just tell you the results. Uh, Gun Club defeated Ryan Nemeth and J.D. Drake of the Wingman. Um, I heard this was like a very Wingman-type match, but Colton Gunn did have a good um, hot comeback. And Colton remains undefeated in AEW so far, so that's weird. Uh, Penelope Ford defeated um, Valentino Rossi. Ford approves the 7-1. and one. Um... Brian Cage with Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook defeated Serpentico with Luther. This, um, I heard, was very entertaining. Um, report is by Juan C. Romero um, on Twitter if you want to find him. But I heard this was a very entertaining match. Cage won with the Drill Claw, and Cage is now 23-2 and in AEW. Um, see Ash left. Um, after the match, Hawk, um, Hobbs and Hook... Um, fist bump cage, but the tension between the members of Team Tash could be felt, so, yeah. Um, Carl Anderson defeated Wheeler Utah, who, Wheeler Utah is on Ring of Honor regularly, and also, um, does work in New Japan. So, this was actually pretty awesome to see if you actually, um, want to check that out. Carl Anderson did win. The Young Bucks and Doc Gallus were at ringside. Uh, Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, and Dustin Rhodes defeated Liam Gray, um, Adrian Adonis, and Justin Corneo. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, a match from what I was told. The Acclaim defeated um, Matt Justice and PJ Smoove. Um, if you like the Max Caster rap, you got it right there. And the Acclaim won, um, and they're 13-3 and three this year, so... Rio defeated Impressive. Kylan. Yeah, Rio defeated Kylan King. Um, this had to be kind of a weird match because Rio, you know, hasn't even been on a dark elevation since the first episode, and she defeated Kylan King. Um, it was actually Juan's favorite match of the night. So, Varsity Blondes with Julia Hart defeated Jake Logan and Aaron Rocco um, in a very quick match. Thunder Rosa defeated Catalina Perez. The Blade defeated Chuck Taylor. So they're not even giving Chuck Taylor wins on Dark. Okay, great. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's why I said they probably should just start him healed if this, if this is going to be the case. Like I said, damn, I, I would at least give him a victory or something. Private Party and Matt Hardy defeat um, Dark Wars, Allen Five Angels, Alex Reynolds, and Colt Cabana. Hakara Shida defeated um, Rekha Tanaka. Um, and Penta El Romero and Eddie Kingston with Alex Abrahantes, which... Doesn't even make any sense why Alex Abrahantes is there. But they defeated TH2. And they're 3-0 and as a tag team. And they're going to be facing the Young Bucks Wednesday. The crowd was hot, which helped this episode of Elevation. So they actually did have a crowd. But, whew, man. Um, didn't seem like some good matches on here, though. I, I, there are some matches I would have kind of avoided. Um, but, yeah. Um... But yeah, um, also a special um, um, passing of Marta uh, Rizdorf. He is the creative force behind championship rings for the Chicago Bulls and the White Sox. He died at 85 years old today. Um, the wife of the longtime Chicago White Hawks and Bulls owner Jerry Reindorf um, died Monday after a long illness. So... Um, yeah, very sad to see that. Um, Tavon, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. We never talk about the owners a lot, you know, because yeah, because because a lot of people. But but Martin, um, but Marto Reinsdorf, eighty five. You know, 
was the reason that the Bulls, you know, did have the success that they did, you know, winning the championships, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I know that every I, – I, have you seen the uh, Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance documentary? Mm, I haven't. Okay. So, well, no, well, no I, 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 I just, just making sure I, I, uh, because um, I will say this here, though. If you watched it, and this is a perspective from my take here, um, if you watched it, I think that you would think they were like the WWE documentaries on A&E. You would think they're good, yeah, but you would think there were some things missing. Also, for a documentary, um, they did not have Kobe Bryant on this, but maybe 30 seconds. And they had him for one episode for 30 seconds to open the show, which I felt was very disrespectful. And I'm going to and I'm going to explain why, because Kobe was a big fan of Jordan. And of course he was. But they had hours of footage for Kobe. And they didn't give you any but 30 seconds. And I thought that was kind of a little, like, low. Because, yeah. no offense, because no offense, Tavon, if you were, if someone said, hey, could you do a show and it was on, like, someone that you knew very well. Like, just, just, say, just say if it was, like, a passing or someone about someone's birthday or wedding anniversary or something. Because I know you've been to weddings and I know you've been to birthdays and stuff. And say if it was like a birthday for like someone that you really knew, and they made this video, but you only had thirty seconds in it, you'd be upset, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. So you know, and, and, and that's kind of like the best way to explain it. I mean, to me, they're a good documentary, but it's not a blow away great documentary. But maybe maybe we can do a show on it one day. You know, um, I, I definitely should go back and review because, I mean, it, it did happen a year ago. It's been over a year. And, of course, when it happened last year, it was the most talked about thing because there was nothing on TV except wrestling. And no offense, wrestling was kind of hit and miss because Raw was really bad last year. Raw yeah. was really bad last year. So. <laughs> yeah, no no audience. It was it was rough. And, and they kept using the same people for the same matches. So poor Andrade – and Austin Theory and Garza had to work like three matches mm-hmm. and shit. We had the they 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 put they put the poor performance center people behind plexiglass and shit. <laughs> and, and they didn't even give them chairs. They were like, it, oh yeah. One will poor. I I heard it say that it was like some kind of war zone out there. Well, well, what's even worse is they had to stand up for like nine, ten hours because they were filming nine hours of fucking wrestling. I'm like, you motherfuckers are crazy. Oof. Oh my god. And then, and then I heard like they brought in, and remember they brought in the fans, you know, one time at like less than twenty percent capacity, and like they and they were like just family and friends. And the family and friends didn't get no chairs or nothing. But guess what? The family and friends had to get for food. They had to literally. Sneak out the back, and they could go to their, this tent. They just had potato chips. I was like, man, you feed them like elephants at the damn like zoo or some shit. Like, <laughs> like, 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 okay, okay, we could give you these peanuts, but we're not allowed to technically give them to you, so you can't be it. And then you couldn't even eat. You couldn't even eat like right there. You had to eat literally at the tent. You couldn't. Yeah, that's. Your... <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I give um. 
Yeah, I give Nikki Cross all the praise. She helped him out when she gave him that pizza. Uh, no, I, I mean, I mean, give credit to Nikki Cross. I mean, I, I mean, I, and and that is true. And that is true. You know, most wrestlers, you know, like I mean, I mean, and same thing with like Nyla Rose when she threw the big backs to like to like the AEW <laughs> audience. You know, like those guys can't go out there and go get nothing at the concessions did because I and, and this is what I've heard too from people that have actually went to Daly's place. They actually close the concession stand down at 9 p.m. So you have wow. less than one hour to get food. Wow. That is fucked up. And and you can't pay with cash neither because what? they won't accept cash. You have to pay everything with a card. The re- and here's why they won't accept cash because of COVID-related issues. Yeah. And, and bottled water is like $8 there. Um, you can get a personal pizza, but that's $12. Popcorn sixteen. Um, if you want chips and um, some dip, that's like eight dollars. So, so case in point, people just go hungry at these events. You don't have to buy food. Like, like <laughs> I mean, like literally, literally, or go eat beforehand. Just don't, just don't go there. Like, there's a reason why I never see Izzy or none of these people ever like when they go to AEW like celebrate with some food or nothing because I never see nobody with food there. And then, and then I think like. Yeah, because they can't fucking afford it because it's like fucking expensive. <laughs> you paid like eighty some dollars for this ticket. Like, damn, like y'all some crazy people. Um, how about this year though? Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, sad news though. Anyway, so let's get into our two hundred moment of the night. We've already went over two hours, so so um, tonight's two hundred moment of the night song um, is Whipski featuring Little Skies and Internet Money. And remember, two hundred moment of the night is sponsored. By Miller Lite has one more calorie than Michelob Ultra and has better taste. So if you're going to drink anything, drink a Miller Lite. And remember, um, please drink responsibly. Save on with your 200 moment of the night, man. All right. Well, speaking of AEW, <laughs> I did see that um, tweet of um, Jungle Boy and Anna J together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that was actually pretty funny. I actually did see that too. That was yeah, really pretty funny. much. That 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 was that was actually really funny. Um, uh, my 200 um, moment of the night. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just give it to the Clippers, man. I mean, shout out to the Clippers tonight, man. I mean, last time I was on the show, I literally had said that, um, that I said the Clippers season was over and Paul George came out there and he had a great game. Tavon, if you did not see it, um, I know that you were probably sleeping. Yeah, I, I, I saw the, um, third quarter. I saw the fourth quarter, but I think I overslept the end of it. <laughs> well, 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 uh, well, I, well, I will say this here. Paul George had his best game ever in the playoffs. He was 15 of 20 
He had 41 points as a playoff career high. He shot 80% in the second half. He didn't miss a shot in the second half. That was incredible. Um, so definitely, though, I mean, I mean, he actually really had a great game and everything like that. So, I mean, give credit to Paul George right there. Um, yeah, and my other 200 moment of the night is going to go to Twitter Spaces. I know this is really weird, Tavon, but I'm going to explain this here. Let um, me guess, people- Moan Spaces? Moan Spaces. There's now P spaces. <laughs> There's now um, count backwards to a million spaces. <laughs> um, it's getting weird, people. Um, to, to, to the people that – there's even a squirt one. And I'm not talking squirtle. I'm literally talking about squirting challenge. Um, <laughs> um, shout out to um, everybody that's on these spaces and shit. Yes, I, I, I do join in on these spaces, but I don't talk enough, I think so. So you're never going to see me talk in a space like this because because I have a reputation for protecting. I'm not going to have someone say, oh, that dude on that show, was he was moaning with them. No, no, no. You're not going to catch me moaning. No, no. <laughs> I, I will say this here. I will say this here. The only thing, the only way you ever catch me moaning on this show is literally if if my future wife has got me literally behind my back or something and literally, literally <laughs> trying to have sex with me. No, you're not catching me moaning at all. You some, you're all some weirdos on that spaces, man. Um. But, I mean, shout out to them. I mean, they're crazy. Um, betting lines, though, for tomorrow night for the Bucks, they are favored by seven to win. Hawks are the plus six and a half underdogs. Uh, Tavon, who do you like tomorrow night? Do you like the Hawks to win game four and make it 2-2, or do you think the Bucks are going to go up 3-1? Mm, Bucks in game four. I agree the Bucks are going to win game four, but I think the Hawks are going to cover that point spread. Wednesday, it's 9 p.m. It's the point spread for the Suns. They're, um, they're the underdog plus one in L.A., and the Clippers are minus one in Staples Center. Uh, money lines are really early, so you can buy in on the money lines and get some money. Uh, minus 118 for the Clippers at $100 would give you an $85 payout. At minus 104, um, $100 payout would get you about $97. So who do you like in um, – Game six, do you think the Suns can go ahead and win in Staples, or do you think we're getting a game seven back in Phoenix? Phoenix can win um, game six. I hope Phoenix does win game six, because if they don't, I'm going to probably say the Clippers might actually win game seven if this is the case. Um, But, yeah, definitely, though, um, the next time we are back, people, we will be back Thursday. Thursday um, afternoon, we will be covering – AEW and NXT. We will also be covering if the Suns have made it to the NBA Finals and clinched their spot, and we're going to be reviewing the Bucks Hawks. Um, hopefully, Tavon is with us on time next time. You know, you know, I know that you were sleeping and stuff, so I, so I did cover the first thirty minutes and stuff of everything, so that's why I didn't repeat anything back. Um, really, wasn't nothing major, um, but definitely though, um, what you call it? We'll probably be on. Probably after 5, 6 o'clock, because I know, Tavon, I know you watch NXT UK and everything. And I actually do want to see NXT UK this week and see how they follow up with the Walter Iliad Dragonoff stuff. But we yeah. definitely will be But we definitely will be back Thursday, though. So so definitely, Tavon and I get another two-day break. Tavon, we're actually getting now day breaks. That's actually really good, man. We're actually getting some breaks. It feels good. I mean, um, yeah. also, Tavon... I was actually interested in know. Um, would you like to do maybe 
a WandaVision um, review show each week. Because I, I know that you said you watch Disney Plus, and, and I actually am looking forward to start watching WandaVision back again because I actually want to. Because it actually is really good, you know. And, and if you're not, you know, we can definitely review the Captain Marvel show or the Captain America show. Um, sure, probably. I haven't seen WandaVision, though. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that's even better. That's actually even better. We can actually, hey, that actually be something different because 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 I know that I want to be able to start doing more shows that are not sports related all the time, and this would actually be something actually interesting. We could actually just start doing WandaVision stuff. Um, I will start texting you details and stuff of when we're going to do that because that probably will probably be, we can actually probably start this weekend probably because there's not really much to really go by and stuff. So yeah, but anyway, so to close out the 200. Um, moment of the night and close out 200 for the show tonight. We're going to close it out with Red Light, Green Light, Da Baby. This song's fire as fuck. I don't know why people don't like this song, but I like it. It's fun. Baby, probably in a fast car, riding with the cap on, pull up with a bad ball. Thinking the guy here capping, I'm not these rappers. You gon' have to cap your ass off, back on it, big on me. How about that bitch with that shit on? Okay, my dick got sit me down and she sit on shit. And niggas are green light, they gon' get on it. Red light, green light. I'm fucking the bitch in my G nights. Go, hop out with that stick, with that be like my partner won't see something killed. That's what he like. So the first nigga try gon' tell G how I been about that motherfucker Saxon and Nia. This is nappy hair, black ass with Dion. Have emotion, I'm prime time like Dion. And that will be all for Keeping It 200, episode 35. Make sure to check us out on Spotify and everything like that. And we will be back Thursday. Savon, thank you for coming in tonight, man, on a late 200. Um, And, hey, we'll see you Thursday. Peace. Peace. Peace.